Nyata, hello. My name is Alison and I pastor a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. And we're based on Peak Warren Country down in Warrnambool. Today I'm looking at one of my all-time favourite stories, Jacob wrestling with God. Many translations show a squeamishness, and they describe the mysterious stranger as an angel. Yet the Hebrew is Elohim, meaning gods or God. There's a different word for angels. And Jacob's own comment that he has seen the face of God and survived upholds the interpretation that he is indeed wrestling with God. And you'll find the story in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. A few weeks ago, I organised and hosted a meeting of ministers. And near the end of it, someone who should know better went on a rant about the failings of the church in the West. The church is collapsing, he said, because of the blurring of gender roles that began in the 1960s and continues to this day. And there I was, sitting in the church with my boots and jeans, close-cropped hair, zero makeup, and all the authority which was conferred upon me through the rite of ordination, which in Baptist land is admittedly not that much. The group was left to conclude that the church is failing because of people like me. Outspoken women, preaching women, women in leadership making decisions, Women who refuse to perform femininity. Women who don't always defer to the authority of men. Women who share power in a marriage and expect to be equal participants. And women who laugh raucously and don't give a fig what anyone thinks. And I suppose he also believes the church is failing because of all those foolish men who empty themselves of power in Christ-like ways and who live for the flourishing of others. Now his claim was so patently false that I won't dignify it with an argument. I mention it simply as the latest in an endless string of episodes where men in power have made it abundantly clear that there's no place for me in the church. And so it came to mind when I was reflecting on today's story. I wouldn't be a person of faith without the stories of Jacob in particular without this story of Jacob wrestling a stranger. Like his flamboyant son Joseph, or the Chief Justice Deborah, or the Prophet Mary, or even the gentle, self-giving, service-oriented Jesus, Jacob is someone who blurs gender lines and who yet finds their place in God's story. His brother Esau is a manly man. He's full of testosterone, burly, hairy. But Jacob, well, he's soft and smooth. Esau likes nothing better than hunting and shooting and fishing, and he spends his time in the wilderness slaughtering animals. Jacob, on the other hand, is a man of the tents. He's more domestically inclined. While his brother goes hunting, Jacob hangs around with the women and children and makes a pot vegetable soup. More, in a big no-no in a patriarchal society, he places himself under the authority not of his dad, but of his mum. Jacob, says Rebecca, dress up like your brother. Strap some goatskins to your arms, make them really hairy, and go and trick your old man and take the blessing that's meant for Esau. 
Jacob does as she says. And when his blind father asks him who he is, he lies and says, Esau. And then when all is discovered and Esau is breathing threats and murder, Jacob, says Rebecca, don't get yourself killed. Get out of here. Run to my homeland and find a wife and stay well away from your brother. And again, Jacob does as his mother says. And when he arrives, like his mother before him, he draws water for the flocks. And when he meets his uncle, he introduces himself not as Ben Isaac, but as Rebecca's son. Truly, he blurs gender lines. Now, today's story catches up with him 20 years later, unhappily married with concubines and slaves and children and great flocks of mottled, speckled and spotted sheep. And he is finally returning home. And yet he's terrified of how his brother will receive him. He's so afraid that he sends a delegation of slaves and gifts ahead and then he shoes everyone else across the creek before sleeping alone on the banks of the Jabbok. Like me, all too often, he's not quite sure how he'll be received. And perhaps he's never been sure. Perhaps there's never been much room for Jacob to be Jacob in his father's house. For his father always loved manly Esau the best. In the night, a stranger comes and tackles him, and they begin to wrestle. The stranger is strong, but Jacob, he's determined. The stranger persists, but Jacob will not give up. All through the night, they grapple and twist and grab and roll, neither Jacob nor the stranger prevailing. And at last, in the first light of dawn, the stranger slips under Jacob's guard and with a low blow dislocates his hip. The stranger then tries to leave, but in agony, gasping, Jacob still holds on. He asks the stranger's name and he demands a blessing. He's not sure if there are any blessings coming his way, at least any that he doesn't have to fight for. So he hangs on for dear life and he insists. And this is why I love Jacob, because he dares insist on a blessing whether or not anyone else thinks he is worthy. Earlier he grabbed at his father's blessing, though Esau was the favourite. Now he holds on through darkness and pain, even though he has been wounded. He doesn't give up, he doesn't lay off, but he clings to the stranger he suspects might be God and insists on a share of God's benevolence. Now the stranger first responds with a question. What's your name? he asks. And Jacob has a choice. So far in this story, Jacob has been evasive. Who's that? asked his father. And Jacob muttered, Esau? Who are you? asked his uncle. And Jacob said, Rebecca's son. He was named Jacob, the grabber, the one who seized onto his brother's heel and everything else in his path. But so far in Genesis, he has not yet named himself. Until now. For here at last, in a stranglehold with God, Jacob finally claims his own name. 
It's me, he says. Jacob, the grabby one. The one who grabbed at his brother's heel and who holds you now in a headlock. The one who won't let go. The one who still demands a blessing. And then Jacob receives an answer and it's not what he expects. For now that he's finally acknowledged who he is, the stranger gives him a new name. You shall be called Israel, says the stranger, for you have struggled with God and with humans and have prevailed. And then he blesses him and they separate at last, Israel now and forevermore limping. So this is a story for a woman like me, who has had to struggle with God and men to claim her vocation, even her faith at times. It's me, I say, the outspoken woman, the thinker, the quester, the disciple, the preacher, the angry Jonah. It's the short-haired woman in unisex boots who rejects suffocating gender roles and who demands her place in this story. And because I dare insist that this is my faith too, and that I belong in this story and that I will speak, some people take exception. And so I experience this never-ending series of hostilities and rejections and aggressions and wounds. Like Jacob, my struggle gave me a new name, Reverend. Like Jacob, I will now always be limping. This is also a story for those trans people who have retained their faith and who, despite everything, have demanded their rightful place. And when dawn breaks and they speak their truth, they receive a new name, a transformed body and a revised role in their community. Indeed, this is a story for anyone who has ever had to fight for their faith and demand a share in the blessing. And so it's also a story for many others of us here at Sanctuary. This seven-year experiment has been making space for questioners and questers and seekers and hurting folk and queer folk and outspoken women and all the rest. Some of us were turned away from church, others of us ran screaming. But we found our way here. And at times we have glimpsed together the communion of heaven and earth, the stairway of Jacob's dream. We've had plenty of chances to wrestle with God, and many of us have had our confidence restored that we, too, have a place in God's story. Yet we are facing a hard conversation about our future, and we're not sure what morning will bring. Maybe a blessing, maybe a new name or direction. Maybe a reunion with an old foe, or a debilitating wound, or even death and resurrection. I really don't know. But I do know this, that it's when we are at our limits, vulnerable and even fearful, forced to leave the old ways behind us and facing an uncertain future, that we are more attentive to God's presence, more likely to be honest and more open to God's transformation and change. Of course, we can shy away from this all thanks to busyness and shallowness and a million shiny distractions, we can avoid real engagement. 
or we can put up a token fight and throw up our hands and defeat and stop asking questions. Actually, we never really wanted a blessing, we might say. You can keep it. Because wrestling and demanding is hard. It's easier to keep being the scallywag or the disenchanted young adult or the post-church person or the infinite quester or the betrayed one. It's easier to walk away from a relationship and it's so very much easier for an outspoken woman like me to live far from the bounds of the church. But I want more from my life and I trust in the wisdom of the struggle and the possibility of change and the foolishness of wounded healers. And in my own struggle, I have discovered new depths of endurance, courage and independence of thought. In struggle, I have learned wisdom and patience, compassion and strength. Through struggle, I am being slowly transformed. And through struggle, I get to grow up. So I believe that when we, like Jacob, engage wholeheartedly in the struggle, we might find ourselves in pain and gasping. Yes, yet we might come away with new self-knowledge and a new awareness of God's intimacy, presence and grace. And we might come away limping. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a small price to pay for this wisdom, these gifts and this blessing. Thanks be to God. And there's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. And if you'd like to support this work and these reflections, you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. And to those who already support us financially, thank you so much. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequorong people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It's a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded. This week it is unseasonably, ridiculously warm. I watched a seal gallivanting around Stingray Bay and a barn owl shot out of the hedge mid-morning pursued by ravens across the sky. The exuberance of the land, waterways and skyways be with us all and may it become cold. Amen. <laughs>